Blog Talk Radio. Um, that is off his newest um, 
CD release, Oh Holy Night, and it's from Osaka Popstar, and I have him in the studio. We're going to be talking about some really cool stuff with him, and I have Spencer Drake, the host of the Indie Cafe. But I want to say about that song, um, it's really cool. It's a single, and it features longtime Misfits and Ramones collaborator, John Caffiero, who we're going to be having on, who does vocals backed up by lineup of Dennis Dickin from the Smithereens, Sal Medea from Cracker Milk and Cookies, Roxy Music, Bass and Dean Rispler, and from the Dictators of New York City, Voluptuous Horror of Karen Black Guitar. So we are really, really ready to go, and that's such a great way to kick off your uh, Christmas holidays. Um, if you want to, you can get that um, as a single on iTunes and also on Misfit Records and also on OsakaPopStar.com. I'll be giving out all those links. Um, if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036. And our chat room is open if you'd like to go in there. And this show will be available on iTunes afterwards and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio on demand afterwards. So let me bring John and Spencer into the studio. John, you're there. And yeah, hi, Spencer. Holly. Hey, there you guys are. Hey, Spencer. It's that rock and song. roll. Kick ass, boy! That is such a great song, boy. If you like, are really wanting a, some, a good song to rap presents to, put that. Oh, put thank that you. Song on. I'm Jody. glad you like our cover. I, I can't great. take credit for writing the song. Obviously, it was written hundreds of years ago, but um, I'm glad you like our version of it. I love oh, it. Fantastic. Love it. You'll be hopping. You'll be hopping. <laughs> That's another song we're going to be playing later. Hopping Ghost, um, another single that just came out that has some really cool toys with it. So, um, so let's, um, Spence. You want to you want to take it over and um, okay. Introduce, uh, I mean, and, in, introduce course, Con- uh, John and what you've done with uh, him. And John, stuff. I wanted. To, I think we'll yeah. start off with your life. Uh, how did you get into what you're doing? You know, in the very beginning, or your interest in getting into this whole thing. You know, that you're you're involved with a number of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin because that's such John's an elaborate, <laughs> such an elaborate John's question. But, um, well, how I'll about when try. you were younger? Who did you, uh, d- music-wise? I mean, what got you? What's the inspiration for you? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, I discovered the Ramones when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Um, the Road to Ruin album was the first, my first introduction of the Ramones, and Yay. I absolutely loved it. And, Yay, my album cover. My yeah. album cover. <laughs> and I think that the, Yay, the sound, Spencer. their unique original sound, and to some extent that cartoony imagery was something that just really appealed to me and hooked me in. And I definitely felt that from that point on, the Ramones defined the kind of music that I liked and the kind of music that I wanted to make. And I'd just been a fan of theirs since I was a little kid on through adulthood and um, got into, obviously, other areas of punk, including the Misfits, as I got a little bit older. And uh, I discovered the Misfits when I was in high school. Little did I know that they were really just a couple of towns away from me during that time period. And um, it just evolved into me pursuing my interests and starting to work professionally in areas that all just linked up together. Um, if you How did wanna... you get into, uh, you have Misfit Records, right? You have like a record company, is that right? Yeah. Uh, Jerry Misfit only, Records uh, in Osaka, right? 
Osaka yeah, Rosen. Yeah, I'm Lee yeah, Ruthinger yeah. and um, the primary member Great of website. Osaka Pop Star, which is one of the artists on our label, Misfits Records. And Misfits Records is a label that Jerry Only, who is one of the founding members of the Misfits, and I started together um, right. to house all of our own releases and releases by other artists that we felt were like-minded or that we'd be interested in getting behind. So yeah, Misfits Records is uh, an indie label that Jerry and I co-own and um, spearhead. Oh, great. Yeah, and they're on Facebook. They're on Facebook. Misfit Records are on there. Also, Osaka Pop Star, you're on there. So if you want to check out that, I'm going to also post the links to Spence right now on in the chat great. room. Cool. Yeah. It's so great how artwork. about some of your new releases that you've got coming out? Um, you mentioned some singles and stuff. You know, Sean? Yeah, I have uh, two new singles out with Osaka Pop Star. You just heard one of them, Oh Holy Night, which is a, a punk cover of the traditional uh, Christmas classic, Oh Holy Night, and um, that is done with my current lineup of the Osaka Pop Star. There's a new backing band lineup that uh, includes Dennis Dyken of the Smithereens on drums, Sal Mattia, who's in Cracker, Milk and Cookies, and was in Roxy Music on bass, and Dean Rispler, who is the bass player in Dictators New York City and was also in Voluptuous Horror of Karen Black on guitar. And uh, we've been recording a bunch of new material. I'm really happy with the results. And one you just heard, our cover of A Holy Night, that's out as a single now. And actually, you could either get that as a standalone digital single, or there's a limited edition uh, Christmas ornament out, an Osaka Pop Star Christmas ornament. And if you buy the ornament, you just get the song as a free download along with it. You it's awesome. these little doll these little dolls I saw. They're, uh, They're little action pictures. figures. Action, the action figures. figures. The action figures. Action figures and the ornaments are awesome. And the oh, vinyl, you. you guys. Yeah. The stuff. vinyl is amazing. You have to see the vinyl. And what's really cool is vinyl's back. Oh, absolutely. We'll talk about that later. I love yeah. vinyl. I guess you're talking about the superhero single. Oh, or... my God. I love all of it. Yeah. All yeah. of oh, it. Thank it's you. so colorful and fun. That's what's really so you, cool about it. Uh, Holly and I were talking about this. You're into anime, right? This oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anime and comic book aesthetic is a big part of the uh, identity of Osaka Pop Star. Yeah, yep. Holly yep. loves it, and so do I. We, we what, what are some of your favorites? Oh, God. I love Sailor Moon. I oh, like cool. Sailor Moon. Also, I don't know, and I know Spencer probably, I never talked about this with you, but Unico. I love Unico. Oh, I don't Unico know if you watch great. Unico is one of, I love the story behind Unico because Unico, um, oh gosh. And even, you know, it's really cool how they took some of the anime, Spencer, how they yeah. took the, the, the um, characters and they put them into movies like the girl that was the vampire killer with the samurai swords. Oh, that's cool. Did yeah. you see that one? I forgot what yeah. that one's called. It's a movie. Yeah. It's about a girl who moves to a um, military base and she is there. She has to kill the vampires, and she has swords. Uh, so Gone Girl is really cool. That's got a little bit of anime in it, too. Oh, yeah. You know? It's really it, it's seeped into a lot of different areas. I mean, everything mm-hmm. is influenced by something else, so you definitely see some of that creep into other areas. But you'd mentioned Unico, and Unico, that dates back to, like, the classic days of anime, and really mm-hmm. the Walt Disney of anime is Osamu Tezuka, and Tezuka mm-hmm. created Astro yep. Boy, which we did a cover. Osaka Pop Star does a punk cover of the Astro Boy. I love Astro Boy. So really, Astro Boy was really big. Jeez. Yeah, Astro Boy, Gigantor. you Gigantor. have to see Unico, Spencer. You have to see yeah, I have Unico. To see it. It's yeah, so I gotta get cute. That. 
And Gigantor is it. not a Tezuka property, but Gigantor, that's a, a song that, uh, a theme song that's been uh, popularized in the punk world by the Dickies, who are friends of mine and other oh, bands. Oh, really? That I love. They're great. The Dickies, yeah. They're great. Wow. But you know the website? I have to tell you guys, if you go to misfitsrecords.com, it's amazing. The art's there. It's colorful. I love the little dog icon, the little skeleton <laughs> dog in front of the in front of the megaphone. Um, you know the little oh, it's just so cool. And everything there that you see, it looks just like that. Um, I had gotten I was really happy and lucky to get one of the ornaments and the ornament is truly looks exactly like it is on on the website. If you don't have one of these hanging on your tree, guys, you're not cool. (laughs) (laughs) You got in the cool club. I'm glad you like it. Thank you. I love it. I thought it would be a fun thing to do, and I love having, I mean, music's gone really digital, and I understand it's just part of technology, and it's obviously more convenient to not have to have a lot of stuff in your place. People have limited space. But I always loved as a kid that, physical medium of music and having something that relates back to it and broadens the experience of it. Even going back to talking about my first impression of that Road to Ruin album and the cover, you know, making an impression Mm -hmm. on me, but really carrying out the, the, the visualizing the music in a sense. So with the ornament, I just thought in a digital age, it'd be cool. All right. If you only want a digital single, you can still get your digital single, but if you want something tangible to hold in your hand that kind of represents the song, we could do it with an ornament. So that single is not even available physically. It's only available digitally. Um, you, you could buy it as a standalone, as you mentioned, in places like iTunes and Amazon. But if you want the physical media for it, you buy the ornament, and the, the record comes with the ornament. I mean, you know, you you're talking to two what? people that love love real things, right, Spencer? Spencer and I, we <laughs> we we... We, I mean, he, with this 545 book, I mean, you got to see. I mean, we come. He comes from the time where it's like he designed all these album covers, so it's like the real deal. You got it in your hand. We were talking about digital versus like the real stuff, and I love, I love all this stuff that you sent me. I mean, it's just so beautiful, and um, it's really nice. And I mean, it's 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 beautiful, fun. Um, it's poppy. Um, it fits right in there with cutting-edge pop culture. I definitely t- truly believe that. And the T-shirts are awesome. You've got to look at the T-shirts, guys. I mean, oh, you know what, oh, oh. Holly, I think John's ready for a comic book. John. Oh, my God. He is Oh, yeah, Oh, my God. You've got to do a comic <laughs> book. A comic book. you got to yeah. do a comic book. I absolutely would. Uh, I'd love to do that. It's just one of those things I haven't gotten to yet, but has oh kind of been God. on and that off the, be the drawing board. But, yeah, I, it's... Absolutely something, and there's a lot of different um, realms that would lend lend itself well to that, too. Oh, exactly. He would do so you good know. with a, po- a comic book, Spencer. You know, yeah, um, I know. It's like, it's like it, when I got the stuff in the mail, John, I was, and I'm sure Holly and I are thinking the same line. Yeah. First thing I took was a comic book, man. We got all these illustrations and all this stuff. I said, this is a comic book. You know, the first thing hit me in the head, John. Well, that's so, funny. I mean, you, you could do that eventually. Some I'd, sort of I would thing. love to do it, and it's funny you should mention that because I'll actually even say that when the first Osaka Popstar record came out, Osaka Popstar and the American Legends of Punk, 
originally I wanted the booklet to be a oh. comic strip so that when you'd read through it, there was actually going to be the first comic in there, but there just wasn't enough time to get it done, so it, it hadn't happened. But, but oh, so maybe in a longer yeah, form. Question, who illustrated, for instance, these covers? Who illustrated the covers? I work with a lot of different artists. I'm, I'm a huge art fan. I'm an art collector. It's just one of the things that I love in life. I really love art, and I'm a fan of a broad uh, stable of different artists, so I work with different people. Um, for example, the debut album, Osaka Popstar and the American Legends of Punk, the character artwork is done by a comic book artist named Butch Lukic, and Butch ha- is most widely known for a lot of work in DC Comics, and oh, great, he's yeah. also involved in the animation world, and he was one of the main um, forces behind the Batman Beyond animated series and Ben 10. Um, so Butch did the character art, but then the speed line backgrounds, I call them speed lines, but it's a very traditional anime look with those c- almost like colored lights that seem like yeah, they're I saw moving that. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Speed yeah. line backgrounds were actually done for me by uh, John Pound. And John Pound is somebody I've worked with a, a several times already now, and uh, John's most widely known as being the artist responsible for the aesthetic and to some extent the creator of the Garbage Pail Kids for Tops. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. he's also an underground comic artist and did a lot of comic book covers um, and has a lot of diverse range of styles, but John is most widely known as being sort of the, the creator of the Garbage Pail Kids. So oh, John, wow. Was, yeah, yeah, it's got great quality art, and I know that, and that's, your, that's your lead, obviously, into comic books. You know, I mean, these guys, you know, you definitely... He's got to go, he's got to do a comic book. Well, I can, I can I also tell you the dog. artist who did the um, the artwork yeah. for the superhero 12-inch vinyl uh-huh. piece yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that? and the um, Oh Holy Night single. That's Josh Howard, and he's also a popular comic book artist. I mean, he's really created good. a series called Dead at 17. In fact, the finale of, of Dead at 17 is out in comic shops right now, and um, Josh is another great comic book artist that I've worked with. So there's a diverse range of some comic book some anime, even some fine art. There's a lot of different looks in Osaka Pop Star, but many different artists that I've worked with. We did, uh, like Judith and I did two books that are really cool. One's Pure Animation, Top Animators, and then another book called Creating Comics for Rockport Publishing, which is all about comic artists. You know, it's a really cool book. Oh, that and, sounds uh, great. Yeah, we get into that. But I noticed the first thing that hit me, I'm sure how, uh, I know, Holly, both of us, was your just your visual sense that you had a very the strong... The colors. The yeah, colors right, popped Holly. out at me. Yeah. Um, the superhero, I love her. She's too cool. Um, I love her. I love her character, and I love how you transitioned her over to the Oh Holy Night. Same same character. She's a she's a very very cool animation. And you know what I wanted to say before we um, got into anything else? I found this out, and I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you probably do, Spence. Um, I yep. was looking at the T-shirts, and I was r- looking at them, and I saw the Marilyn Monroe in the, in the front of the one. And I didn't know that the Misfits named themselves after the very last movie that Marilyn Monroe did. Yeah. And that they did that did to, that icon- yeah. to, to, to remember her, to keep her as a legend. Really cool. And cool. I just never – I didn't know that. And that was my funny. first, like, real thing that really – stuck with me and made me realize that it goes a lot deeper than just music. It, there's an intention behind all of it. Um, and what made you choose, John, Oh Holy Night? That was such a cool song to record, I'm sure. 
Uh, it was just the song that I really loved, and um, I thought that it would lend itself well to that type of sound. And yeah. um, I, I don't know, I was just inspired to do it. I thought it would sound cool as a punk song, and um, I thought it was kind of a challenge, and I'm really pleased with the way that it turned out. What do you think about the horror Xmas for the, the, mis, the Misfits oh, horror Xmas? I love it. Um, I'm, With the Grinch? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm totally, well, I'm completely behind the Misfits uh, horror Christmas because I, I have worked with the Misfits for the past 17 years. We're great friends and have collaborated together in a number of different things. I manage them as well, and as I mentioned earlier, Jerry and I co-own Misfits Records together, and Jerry wanted to do a Christmas record, which is not an easy thing for the Misfits because they're so rooted in horror themes. And I had actually suggested to him, well, something I think that would work really well would be if you covered the theme from The Grinch, you know what I mean, when Mr. Grinch, because it's such an iconic Christmas right. song, and Barth oh, Falloff was the voice Wait, of, of The Grinch in Chuck it. Jones's animated series, um, animated special, and it's just something that I felt would work well. And um, I co-produced that track, um, the, their cover of The Grinch. It was Ed Stasium, who's worked with the right. Ramones for many years. Ed Stasium is such... Uh, he did so many albums that I did album covers for, uh, John. You know, Ed Stasium, he's like really incredible guy. Yeah, very uh, nice guy, very right? talented. And Ed yeah. produced that horror Christmas EP, but we co-produced the Grinch track. And then the Misfits hey. also did a cover of Blue Christmas, which they had Love done. It. they had done that in the early days of the Misfits live. Wow. Um, I think it was about 78 off the top of my head when they, they had done it, maybe 79, somewhere thereabouts. But they'd never actually done a studio recording of it, so they'd finally, with Horror Christmas, done a, a studio version of Blue Christmas. And then Jerry wrote a new original song called Island of Misfit Toys, which people will sometimes assume is from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special because there is a song called The Island of Misfit mm -hmm. Toys in that, but it's not the same song. This is actually no. a new original song that Jerry wrote. It's cute. I'm glad it's you really like the cool Horror song. Christmas EP. I love it. I oh, think yeah, it's, it's a lot great. of fun. Did, did Jerry mention to me, I saw him at the opening, right? Jerry was at the opening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah at the So at the Jerry told me exhibition. his son is playing in the band. Is that right? Or he was going to... Yeah, well, the, the band has evolved and gone through uh, many different lineups um, over the years, um, but the, the most uh, long-lasting right now has been um, Jerry Only, who is the founding member of the band on bass and vocals, and Des from Black Flag on guitar, and uh, Eric Chupacabra RC, uh, who was in Murphy's Law and a number of other punk bands on drums. Um, so that's the, the current lineup of the band. You know, you know what I'm getting from you, and I'm sure Holly agrees, is these musicians that you put together are so awesome. I mean, to me, they're like, wow, you know, you got, you know, the other band. They all complement each other, don't you think? Yeah, and they're really good. They come from great yeah. bands, and they're all really and great. And it's a great sound. Exactly. And it's people that are, right? are that have already made, that are made already, and then there's new right. people right. that are doing things that's really cool that I think is really neat. Um, you know, I wanted to say also... Um, you sent me quite a few other um, pieces of music here, and I want to say that a lot of them, like um, Spence talked about the animation and just the packaging alone is kind of cool, the way that it's done. I like it a lot. It's uh, yeah. got a got a, it's a really got a really good statement to it. Oh, thank you. Know? you. Well, I think, like I said earlier, packaging is part of the experience. So mm -hmm. it's and just pulling that. you into the world of what the music <laughs> represents. 
Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Spencer, you would know you you did the layouts for many a classic album that I grew up on and uh, loved. Oh, okay. It makes my heart feel good to hear from you, John, because you have a great sense of visuality. So I really appreciate and respect that. Oh, thank really you. Too. And I, I think you know you're one step ahead as an artist, and uh, you know when you have that great sense of visuality, boy, you really. Because most people I work with from you know management, like you're doing, or something like that, through my life, really don't have that sense. They've hired us, me and Judith, or uh, you know me in the beginning to to present that great great uh, image, you know. But when you have that to start off with, like I've, I've worked with musicians or managers who have that visual sense, you definitely have that, John. But you're one step ahead, you know, like you're, you're many steps ahead, in fact, because having that, you you can get things yourself that maybe you had to go out and hire somebody for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're, no, you're, that's, you're I'm, I'm a very, I'm from a very DIY uh, mindset, and honestly, my managerial approach, I think, is very different from the average manager because honestly i mean inherently i'm a film director so uh, i wound up getting involved in all these other areas because of my other interests and just the way that things evolved but even with the misfits for example we first started working to together when they relaunched and came back on geffen records with their american psycho album and at the time i'd been working in tv for about 10 years in a number of different capacities, doing everything from producing to director of photography to animation, cell animation, which I was involved in, um, all these different areas. And I started directing and I was doing music videos and uh, actually originally Rob Zombie was supposed to direct uh, the music videos for the uh, American Psycho record and for whatever wow. reason it didn't work out. And then Geffen and the Misfits both um, had my name on their tongue at the time. And right. Geffen brought me in to direct the videos. And we just really gelled very well together, the Misfits and I. And shortly after, the band asked me to become their creative director. I started working with them in a number of different capacities. And eventually, they'd gone through three or four different managers who would be calling me in the middle of the night asking me what to do whenever things came up. And then finally, <laughs> the band just said, listen, you know, every time you work with us, it just seems to work out. And you genuinely care about what we're doing. Would you be willing to manage us? And I accepted. And uh, I've been managing them ever since. That's awesome. So I really, I mean, I guess if I had to say why maybe you notice something different is because really I approach everything that I do with the sensibilities of a film director, and I feel that a film director's role is to help everybody involved bring out the best in themselves and the situation, and I apply that to pretty much everything I do. Well, then you have more steps great. than I, than I, because my, I myself and with Judith now, we're getting to film very big emotion. We're getting to a doc film. And and what you're talking about is really interesting because that's that whole other level, John, which, you know, is like you're going out of print and you're going into motion, and that brings you into a whole other realm, which makes it more expansive. And uh, you're, the whole, you're the whole deal, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, thank you. I, I take that as a big compliment. I appreciate it. Is, it. it is very, very much so. I really, and 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 the fact that you you've had I uh, have like a great motion background that really is amazing. I mean, that j just takes you into the next, the animation film, man, John. You know, <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. What's really cool, I also noticed on some of these CDs, you do have, um, you talk about animated um, features on some of them. But I wanted to ask you a couple things. You've done some other films, like short films. You did some stuff with Fender 
and um, some other people, correct, in films? Um, well, with Fender, um, wrote most recently, there's just a video that Fender had done that talks about the Didi Ramon bass, which I did the deal for. Uh, that's oh, just a project that was culminated between Fender and I for Didi's estate. Um, but I didn't uh, produce the video for Fender, but I've done a, a countless things. I mean, back in my early days, I'd produced event openers for the New York Knicks, and I'd been approached to develop up things oh. for the New York Rangers. Um, I'd worked in TV for people like Comedy Central, and I'd even worked on the Barbara Walters specials for a period of time, and VH1 program, so a lot of different things, but the most How widely cool known um, video That's and cool. film things that I've done are music videos like the Misfits American Psycho and Digger for Bones music video, and I produced, directed, and edited the Ramones Raw DVD, and I produced and directed a feature film called Big Money Hustlers that's like a cult movie um, that yeah, stars that in yeah. <laughs> oh, so I don't know if you've ever seen it but um, I have and, I, and a, name <laughs> jump, a name jumped out on me out uh, to me on your bio the Jerky Boys tell oh, me yeah. about what you do with the Jerky Boys because we have an ongoing thing um, here about the Jerky Boys <laughs> and what is that <laughs> well I love them I listen to I, my, I think my favorite one well, so, well, they're all funny. I listen to them all the time when I really want to laugh, but I love the one where he calls up for a job and he's going to bring his tools and he's going to start tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Rizzo. I'm going to wrap those tools. Yeah, that wrap is, your head in with oh a ratchet. Oh, my Spencer, uh, Johnny's, that's Johnny Brennan. He's have brilliant. Have you ever listened to the Jerky Boys, Spencer? I haven't heard them, no. Oh, my God. He's gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh like we were laughing earlier. We were having. You're gonna laugh, John. We were talking about uh, Santa, and we were taking Santa into another realm. Like we were talking about what Santa like. Um, the things about him, like um, it was. <laughs> you won't even go there. Talking about his sleighs we're getting start repoed laughing, and, and how he was. <laughs> how he was on lineup and. Um, his, his his suit is it's made like by Santa's John Paul Gaultier. I mean, like the real Santa, <laughs> Holly. What did you say? He's coming down the chimney and out coming of the down closet. the chimney and out of the closet. Out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and John, it's everything that Santa is. I mean, people don't know about. Like he gets all his toys uh, off the truck. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he, uh, and he, yeah, he's fat and he's unhealthy and. Uh, <laughs> He's dealing drugs in the sled, you know, and he got caught and arrested. And when he went over to Columbia, yeah. Oh God, he's got we cold came girls up with this in whole every city. He's, got, he's running. He's a pimp, you know, and he's got cold girls in every city. That sounds like uh, a screenplay. <laughs> we're gonna write. We're gonna write a book. <laughs> we're gonna write a book. Holly and I are doing the real book. Santa. It's the real Santa book, you know. It's down and Holly gave the title. It's great. Down the chimney and out of the closet. That, now, do you really think though this is actually the real Santa? Do you you don't really think this is the real Santa? <laughs> it though? is. Oh, it's oh the yeah, real Santa. Santa. Is, you know, the trouble with everybody is this. Is my, my my whole take on this. One of the takes I have. You know, the cap and gown, for instance, for all these generations is accepted thing in graduation. Well, now you know all the schools. I've been talking with a lot of kids. They're taking away the cap and gown. That whole old generation, the old thing, mm-hmm. leaving it's a new thing. So I said to myself, Santa Claus. This is a this is a thing that stayed since the 1800s. You know what I mean, or whatever. And and it doesn't make sense that it fits in this generation. It just doesn't. Santa Claus is this thing that to me 
should be more contemporary. I saw an ad on television, for instance. You'd love it's Santa, very slim, with a red suit, and he's on a cell phone. <laughs> I mean, right, Holly? And so, I mean, that is Santa. I mean, that should be Santa. He's slim. I mean, why are kids looking up to a fat guy with rosy cheeks? He's alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. Definitely. He's not milk. He's I not drinking milk. You might, you might be interested in uh, something, Claus. There's a new uh, There's a new Santa Claus. There was a sketch on Saturday Night Live. I think it might have been really? last week that Keenan Thompson did, which was actually really funny. And that was a more contemporary approach to Santa Claus called Something Claus. And it was like everybody's oh, got something, even funny. if you've done something bad. So you might want to check that out. Sounds That's like you might true. like him. Well, yeah, you know, the, everyone but knows, don't, but don't everyone knows I like Spencer, the Nightmare Before Christmas, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Cool. I talked over you. Sorry no, about that. No, that's okay. Oh, no, 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 that's good. <laughs> yeah, Nightmare oh, so Before Christmas. Maybe we should get into this D.D. Now we'll get into the D.D. Ramon show, which we want to talk about. Sure. And that, how did you, you're a multi-task person on that one. I know you're a... You're a curator, and also you have a part in the estate. Tell us about that, the creation sure. of them. I manage Didi Ramon's estate, and uh, Barbara Ramon Zampini, Didi's widow, um, she and Didi had pursued a lot of artwork together. I mean, Didi got more serious about painting. He'd always been into art, but he got more serious about it around 1996, and um, when Dee Dee and Barbara got together, Dee Dee involved Barbara in a lot of his artistry. He recorded a lot of solo records with Barbara involved, and they would collaborate on music. And Dee Dee did a lot of art on his own, but they would collaborate on art as well. And when I began managing Dee Dee's estate, I found that there were a lot of paintings that the estate was just missing. Um, there were a lot of paintings that Barbara did already have in her possession through the estate, but there was a large body of them that I personally knew was out there because I'd remembered when Dee Dee passed away that these were still floating around and that they'd just never been given back to the estate. So honestly, I spent several years pursuing um, someone who was withholding them and claimed that they didn't have them when I suspected that they did. And then after a number of years of pursuit, I managed to reacquire them all back for the estate, which was the rightful owner. And um, from time to time, we keep our eyes open for pieces that are floating around because Dee Dee did sell paintings. I mean, that was something that he was doing. I mean, he was creating artwork and selling it in the art circuit. And if we do find private collectors that have paintings that are interested, if we can work out something reasonable, we reacquire them. And I'll personally try to reacquire them back for the estate simply to do things like this. Um, We've had Didi Ramon art shows on the West Coast a couple of times now. We did one at La Luz de Jesus and at um, Shepherd Ferry's Subliminal Projects Gallery, but never something to the magnitude that we've done now with Didi Ramon, the exhibition in New York City that's happening at the Hotel Chelsea Storefront Gallery and opened as we speak. Um, it's a beautiful it's a show. I was very honored to be at the opening, and of course, it's some great people there, um, and the photographs of Bob Gruen and Mick Rock and um, Chris Stein was there. I had a great talk with Chris Stein, and the whole opening was really beautiful. Uh, there's certain things in there that are amazing, the jackets, uh, and, of course, our D.D. King standing in the spotlight cover that Judith and I designed. We were very honored to design that cover. It was a great cover, and with Bob Gruen photographs. But the whole show is so well put together. The guitar, you know, that guitar thing that set up was amazing. Thanks. Yeah, I, um, the whole the whole show was, 
And by the way, everybody out there, it's on till right January 1st at the Chelsea Hotel Gallery on 23rd Street. Yes. Yeah, and, it's on um, uh, 222 West 23rd between 7th and 8th, and we're open every day, seven days a week from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m., uh, including Christmas Eve. We'll be open on Christmas Eve until 8 o'clock. We're closed on Christmas Day, um, but it's every day now through January 1st, including on January 1st. You can go, and you'll see all of these paintings, original paintings by Dee Dee Ramone on display, and in addition to Dee Dee's paintings, just as you'd mentioned, Spencer, there's a wide variety of classic photos by legendary photographers, including Bob Gruen, Mick Rock, Stephanie Chernikowski, Jenny Lenz, Keith Green, Jimmy Steinfeld, um, Chris, Stein. Chris Stein, of course, who you mentioned. And, and, uh, Roberta Bailey in there or not? No, Roberta and I spoke, and um, she, we both wanted her to be in the show, but she just wasn't able to get it together in time. Oh, okay. Um, but there is a the wide variety of, of great photographers' work displayed. And you also have the ability, if you're interested in ordering a print, we've even worked out arrangements with all the photographers. Um, Ed Perlstein, Stanley Ryan Jones, two more names. I'm trying not to leave anyone out here. Yeah. Um, but you can, if there's any photos that catch your eye, you can order a print um, through arrangements we've made with all of the photographers to have this on your wall. And obviously we don't sell any of Dee Dee's paintings because they're irreplaceable. And the whole intention is to share them with people. That's why I work to reacquire them for the estate, not to hoard, but literally so that we can put on exhibitions like this and share the work with the public and give people that will genuinely appreciate it the opportunity to see them firsthand. And um, while you can't buy the paintings, we do have some high-end um, jaclays available of a couple of the pieces that are only available through the exhibition. So it's the next best thing to actually owning one of the paintings that you could get. And, and, and yeah, there are books there, right? You're selling books and uh, merchandising. A lot of the t-shirts are really cool. Yeah. Well, as you we kind of spoke about, everything that I do has an artistic flair about it because I really appreciate good artistic sensibility. So we have great artwork for, I strive to make sure that we have great artwork for anything that I'm working with. And we have a number of excellent artists involved, including Didi himself personally, um, that there are t-shirts available from. So you could get some Didi t-shirts if you stop by, if you'd like. But Didi was also an author. I mean, that's one of the incredible things about Didi is that he was so multi-talented and that not only was he the uh, the icon for what a bass player should be in in punk rock, if not rock and roll in general, and one of the greatest punk rock songwriters of all time, but he who's also a great visual artist and an author. Dee Dee wrote three books. That's right. He wrote two autobiographies, Lobotomy and Legend of a Rock Star, which uh, Legend of a Rock Star also incorporates some element of fantasy, which I think makes it even cooler because you've got these almost dream sequence-like things that Dee Dee works into reality. And then he wrote a novel called Chelsea Horror Hotel, which is an excellent piece of work and um, in many ways even kind of akin to A Christmas Carol in that it's about Dee Dee and Barbara living in the Chelsea Hotel and being haunted by the spirits of Johnny Thunders and Sid Vicious and things along those lines. And the yeah. books are available, so you could get the books at the at the exhibition as well. And even doing this at the Chelsea Hotel is just so special for Dee Dee's first exhibition in New York because it was such an important component of his life. He lived there. He got clean there. He painted many portraits of the Chelsea Hotel. He wrote a novel about the Chelsea Hotel. So it really was 
very special that this would be the gallery where we would have the largest ever and first ever exhibition for Didi in New York. I, I, wow. When we, when we were working on the cover, Judith and I would constantly go up to the Chelsea Hotel and I said, wow, here's Didi in the Chelsea Hotel. You know, it's, all, it's a landmark, right? It's a landmark building. The other thing I want to say that uh, Blondie had their anniversary weeks before that that I went to at that gallery. And what you're saying is really true. That gallery is really great. It's not like they had their gallery in the hotel, but it wasn't really a great setup. This gallery is great. It is. It really it's is. A very beautiful, it's a great gallery. There's a lot of potential. I believe he's going to do some other shows there. It's, it's really a great place to go, by the way. Anybody wants to go to a gallery, it's it's a, it's a really nice gallery. You know. Well, well, I'll even say that about this. I was looking and talking to a number of very prestigious galleries here in New York, including one that was very serious uh, about considering giving us a show there, who is known for exhibiting works by Warhol, Picasso, Basquiat. And I thought, oh, this would be so great to have Dee Dee's work hanging alongside other artists of that nature and of that level. I'm sure it'd be something he'd be thrilled by. But then the Blondie exhibition was going on there. I had no idea there was a gallery at that space. And I ended up there, and when I realized that there was a gallery in the Chelsea Hotel, I thought, I cannot think of a more perfect right, you place. You can't do anything else. It's like you're, you're magnet. I totally agree with you. You'd be magnetized. It's like you got to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something inside of you says you got I don't care where it is. If, if it's a nice gallery and it's underneath the Chelsea Hotel, right, John? It's like, I got to do it. It's yeah. Like, it just it's like it couldn't a, have like been a, any more perfect. And when I mentioned it right. to Barbara, she was really excited about it, and uh, we both just yeah. hoped that it worked out. And it did. Everybody has been great. Everybody involved, um, Press Here Productions, who worked with Blondie on their exhibition, I involved them, and they've been helping out. And all the people from right. the Chelsea Hotel have been involved, including Ed Sheets, the owner, who's been really supportive. So everybody across the board, it's just been a really positive vibe. And I've got to say, it's just one of those things where – as you're probably aware, Chris Stein and Debbie Harry were really good friends with Dee Dee and always very supportive of all of his projects through his lifetime. In fact, oh. Debbie provided some incredible backing vocals on Dee Dee's rap album, the Standing in the Spotlight album. So it just almost seemed right. like all of the elements just came into place. And, and to some degree, I even felt like Dee Dee as a guardian angel kind of led me there, like, here's where I oh, want you to have it, John. Yeah, I, I could see that, definitely. I could see that, definitely. It's great. And um, yeah, so I, I think everybody out there is listening. If you're in the, if you're around New York area, but before the end of the month, go check out the show. It's it's historic. You know, you it may not happen again. I don't know, but you know what I mean. That's the other thing. It's an historic show, so you gotta like see it. Absolutely, and it's as you started to mention earlier. It's a culmination of a lot of different things. You can see not only Dee Dee's artwork, not only all of these classic photos, but there's personal artifacts from Dee Dee's own archives there. I mean, there's stage-worn wardrobe, Dee Dee's jacket from his side band, um, Dee Dee Ramone and the Chinese Dragons is on display, a denim vest that he had from the Ramones is on display, and even his Dee Dee King jacket that he wears on the cover of the Standing in the Spotlight album is on right. display with a signed copy of that album framed hung directly beneath it. I got to tell you the story with the album, which would be interesting. Is that Bob got me into the album? He really was nice to me, and uh, I, I got I got together. First time I met Bob was on Road Road to Ruin because he did the inner sleeve photographs. But after that, kind of like we had this incredible relationship. And so he calls me up one day. He says, "You want to work on Dee Dee's album?" I said, "Oh yeah, of course." You know, he got me into the album, and then the thing is, he throws all these photographs in front of me. 
And the first thing I thought of, I said, this is different. You know, it's like all these photographs. They all got to go together. That's why there's so many photographs on the album cover. You got like five on the front and five on the back. Mm -hmm. But it's like all the photographs are incredible. And I said to myself, it's not the usual album cover, you know, with one photograph, John. It's got to be like all of them have got to be in, t in this thing. And it worked out really nice, you know. But Bob took these incredible photographs that when I saw them in front of my eyes, I said, they all got to be on the cover. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it, but they all got to, and it worked out, you know, but it, they work out if you look at it, everything, the the posing, where he's looking, one one is looking up on the front cover at the logo, the other one's looking straight at you, you know, they all work together. And that whole series, want to bring that in because he's got that on the wall. So the people who want to buy some of these prints, I mean, that whole series is unreal just on the yeah. album cover. You know, right? I mean, Absolutely. that whole thing with the boom box. I even love the boom box. And, oh, you know what you have in the show? I figure I had to mention this. You blew up the figure of uh, Dee Dee, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of Bob's shots from that Dee Dee King session that we had rendered as life-size cutouts so that That's you amazing. could actually pose and take your photo with Dee Dee. And he's, well, he's there in spirit in a number of different ways, but even physically you can pose for a picture with Dee Dee if you stop by and visit the exhibition. I, I just am thrilled with the way that it turned out and the response we've been getting and That's how happy great. it's made people that love Dee Dee and love his work and even people that have known him um, have just been so complimentary about the show that I've got to say it was a huge undertaking, but it was really well worth the effort because to see the kind of reaction it's received and to know how much this would have meant to Dee Dee, um, it's just really satisfying. But I couldn't agree more. It's very difficult trying to edit Bob's photos. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> There's so he's much got, good stuff. He's, he's got so much stuff, right? I mean, it's like, oh, I mean, that whole, and he, one thing about Bob, as you well know, he, like, gives a lot. I mean, he's like Mick. Mick rocks that type of person. Yeah. Who very close to my life. But, and uh, the end of the century photograph, by the way, that's a great, I got to tell you this story. The end of the century photograph, when I worked on end of the century cover, Mick calls me up and he says, Joey's complaining. His eyes, he sees his eyes in the glasses. I'm going to have Ernie, you like that, Holly? So he says, I'm going to have Ernie Thormalin, the retoucher at the time. He's going to, he's going to retouch the glasses, right? So, but you've got the print. The print that is on the wall is unretouched, which is great. And by the way, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, I looked at the print. I said, why would, why would you, but you know, musicians, you know, John, they get, they see their own face and they, they get a little bit crazy sometimes. They're very into a certain thing. But I don't know what Joey was in, but the print is beautiful. I mean, yeah. as, oh, if you look at it, it does, to me, it didn't need retouching. You know what I mean? I well, mean, the, absolutely the, gorgeous print. That's a classic iconic photograph the front of the end of the century cover by mick rock and he is so great at color that's the other thing he's oh, one yeah. of the greatest color photographers and uh that that photograph is iconic and oh, Bob, look, all the, all the photographers in our show are fantastic but yeah. i've got to say mick is one of my all-time favorite photographers in the world i mean his the funny thing is, as a kid, um, I'd always loved all the visuals that he shot and all the photos that he took on the set of the Rocky Horror Picture Show when they were shooting that movie. Oh, right, yeah. And that's really indicative of his style, those vibrant colors and larger-than-life characters. Right. And he just translates that into all of his work. And we worked together um, for The Misfits. I had actually approached Mick a oh, couple of years ago to do the photos when the, the latest Misfit Studio album, Devil's Reign, was released. And I'd even said to him, now what we'll be able to do is take 
what you'd done with the Ramones and take what you'd done with Rocky Horror and combine it into one because that's kind of the culmination of what the Misfits are in some respects. But yeah, I mean, Bob, Mick, you brought out a good point. Mick, it was so, his color, I can't describe it to people. You have to see his work, of course, but the color, his thing in color is very different than, I don't know how many photographers that I've worked, great ones. His color is unbelievable, right? Yeah. He's got this sense of color, which you can't describe. You have to see what he does in color. It pops out. It pops, it pops out. Right, like, Holly. It's brilliant. Like John's stuff does. It pops out. That was the thing that really got me. The colors that you use and um, the animation. It's And um, it's, you know, I totally agree with you on mixed stuff, though. I mean, some of those pictures of of uh, Debbie Harry, um you know, with the red background and then yeah. her in the yellow and all that. It's just like, I totally remember those pictures and then the David Bowie pictures. And, you know, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember when, when I talked to Mick that time um, on the show, a couple times just talking on the phone, he said, you know, he was considered David Bowie's photographer for the longest time, and then that's how he got into uh, doing more photography because he was just following um, David around for so long. But, you know, um, Spencer, I wanted to say to John a couple things real quick. Um, One was, um, yeah, one was uh, the music. I've I've heard some of the music that um, has been recorded in a few, um, uh, you know, horror films. And I don't know if you know this, but I've got Jessica Cameron and quite a few people that do the zombie stuff and things like that. Um, they love the Misfits and they love some of this other music, and I'm turning them on to it. So great, um, please do. That's that's really cool, yeah. Because they're always looking for stuff, you know, for their movies and stuff like that. And since you're into film and stuff like that, that's cool. But yeah. my second question to you was, since you mentioned Spencer and the animation, which prompted you to really it inspired you, I wanted to ask you. Who were your mentors growing up? Like, what really mentored you? What I mean, what kind of background did you come from? Um, did you come from an artistic family, or was it something that you just decided to do? Um, because you're obviously a really good speaker. You speak very well, and you obviously know how to curate things and and pro- produce and, and direct things. So I wanted to know, where did that all come from? Um I think it was just something that I was born with and just developed of all of the things that I loved that influenced me. Um, like I said, uh, early on I got into the Ramones. I was always a fan of music in general, but the Ramones really took me down a, a path that I never left. Prior to that, I was listening to stuff like Black Sabbath and Aerosmith and Kiss, of course. But when I discovered the Ramones, it really just kind of made things a lot more clear to me in terms of music, although I still do have a lot of other influences that I think come into play as well. I mean, I like everything um, from, you know, classic punk on to more um, progressive alternative stuff like, you know, Jellyfish and They Might Be Giants. So, I mean, I have a lot of different influences. But I, I think early on as a kid, being influenced by stuff like the Ramones and Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think things like that really made an impression on me that just kind of, I don't know, uh, influenced the type of things that I would like to do. Um, certainly, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think, made me interested in being a filmmaker um, because I loved the fact that it incorporated all of these larger-than-life characters and music and incredible visuals. 
Um, but my influences are so diverse, it would really be hard to pinpoint. But if I had to go back to an early development stage, I'd say about that time because I'd, I'd gotten into the Ramones and Rocky Horror at about the same time. And those are two things that have kind of stayed with me ever since. Oh, you know oh, what I'm wow. going to bring up? I think we missed this. Mother's Little Helper. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted. I wanted to bring that up. Oh my God, what sure. a great song! Yeah. Sorry, guys. I have a. I have a, a airplane flying over the studio right now. Can you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, you can. It's you can. loud, and this is a no-fly <laughs> zone too. So it's I don't faint, know what's going on. Yeah. The so Mother's Little sure. Helper. That's make a great of song. That, Mother's Helper is um, that was something that Melora Krager from Rasputina approached me about working on with her. Um, Melora had played cello on Nirvana's In Utero tour, oh, wow. and she became really good friends with um, Kirk and um, basically uh, with Kurt and uh, essentially affected by his death in many different ways. And um, when the 20th anniversary of his death was coming up, she wanted to make this um, free arts collective that was kind of like a compilation of different artists doing songs that were either relative to um, just losing someone close to you in general or losing someone to addiction. So for the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death, uh, she wanted to do this dedication compilation, and she was interested in doing a cover of Mother's Little Helper, which is a song about addiction, and approached me uh, about collaborating with her on it. So Melora recorded her vocals and her cello and just sent them to me and said, you know, why don't you play some guitar on this, see what else you could do. So I took that into the studio, and I tracked guitars, percussion, keyboards, and backing vocals, and then sent it back to her, and she absolutely loved it, and um, we both agreed this is the finished version. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very great unique, song. A unique approach to Mother's Little Helper. That I, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. It's very different from the type of music that I make in yep. um, Osaka Pop Star, right, but another, right. uh, definitely another extension of my personality and also me feeling what's right in working with Melora's personality. Again, I guess it's That's, just part of that directorial approach. That's it, it's a really cool song. I think it's going to do really well. And um, is that available right now on iTunes? It's not actually. You can't buy it, but you can get it for free if you go to dedicationcompilation.com. It's www.dedicationcompilation.com. It's a website that Melora had set up for this project, and I know you can hear it in streaming audio. But I think you might even be able to download it for free. But if not, um, yeah, I do need to speak to Melora about us putting that out because other yeah. than this, it's the only way it's accessible. Well, you should well, do that. Yeah, it is a wow. I think. Because like it's a great, it is a great song. I I could see where that song, you know, could be used like in a movie or something. Are, you know, talking about movies and films and stuff like that. Are you going to incorporate any of your music into some of the films that you're doing? And I want to know what you're currently working on and what we can look for from the future from you. Yeah, I definitely. That is something I absolutely, without question, want to do is incorporate my music and music of those that I work with into a film project. I'm not working on that quite yet but i am um as you know i have the two new singles out there's uh, oh holy night and hopping ghosts which is a new original song that i wrote that comes with a vinyl toy that i designed and just to quickly surmise about that 
Um, Hopping Ghosts is basically a Chinese vampire mythology that I really enjoy and um, was popularized by a, a number of different movies out of Hong Kong in the 80s. And this is just my take on that mythology. I'd illustrated the character. I actually did the first sketch of my Hopping Ghost character back in the 90s when I was working in animation. And then years later, I wanted to make a vinyl toy of it, and I dusted it off and kind of fine-tuned the design. Um, but Hopping Ghost is a vinyl toy out uh, that should, will be hitting stores within the next couple of weeks. The, uh, the inventory has actually been uh, stuck on a boat due to a... Um, a dock worker strike or a dock-related strike. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I hope know. they're having fun. I hope they're having fun with the <laughs> toys because um, that could be the island of um, misfit toys. But you know what? I <laughs> That could be perfect <laughs> for that. We're ending our show today when um, we're done, and I know we went a little over. I hope you have a little bit longer. Um, we're going to end our show today with Hopping Ghosts. And you cool. brought up some interesting things um, about – um the the vampire character and how you started creating it where did you where did you grow up did you grow up here in the states or did you grow up overseas I grew up here. I actually grew up in New Jersey and then um, kind of no, spent a, a large count. part of my childhood in, <laughs> in Manhattan. So, yeah, I've always uh-huh. been an East Coaster. I grew up in New Jersey as a kid but was constantly going in and out of the city all the time. You know, when I was mm-hmm. a little kid, my father would always bring me into the city. And then when I was old enough to hop on a bus or a subway or whatever to get in, I would always hang out, you know, whenever I could. In fact, that even led to the first time I met the Ramones when I was 16. Um, wow. Yeah, but uh, I moved Where? to New Where? York when Where'd I was in my them? early 20s, and I've always been here my whole life. Where did you meet them? I met them um, at the New York Public Library. <laughs> oh, this is funny. Uh, they weren't there reading. They were actually shooting a music video. Um, the short version of the story is that I was 16. I was heading uptown from downtown after just having a, a bad experience, and I saw somebody standing on the street holding up a cardboard sign that said Ramones. And I ran over to them really excited because I was probably at the peak of my Ramones fandom. You know, 16 Aww. years old is you're like really a rabid, you know, kid. And I ran over to this person and said, what's going on with the Ramones? You know, I'm a huge fan. And the, whoever it was, I have no idea to this day if it was just like a crew member for the video or for all I know, it could have even been Monty, the tour manager. But whoever it was just looked at me and said, you look like one of them. You should go over to the public New York Public Library. They're shooting a video there right now. Now they'll probably use you. Oh, wow. Were you in so the I, video? I, well, the video? I was there in the shoot, but I didn't make the final edit. Um, I think they had shot, it was the Something to Believe in video, and they had shot uh-huh. such an abundance of footage in different coasts with different right. people and celebrity cameos that the Except. shot with me, there's one shot where the band is, uh, Joey's lip syncing the song, and they do a pan of the band um, going across from left to right of the steps of the library, and I was placed right next to Dee Dee, so I talked to Dee Dee the whole time. He was the first member of the Ramones that I actually met, and um, it's just even more poignant that, uh, that I should end up managing his estate, and curating and producing his exhibition. But that was the story. I, I went to the library. They stuck me next to Dee Dee. I was really genuinely excited. And the funny thing was that at that time, it was when Dee Dee was kind of rebelling against the Ramones and he had chopped off all of his hair and done the short spiky hair because he wanted to look different. 
And for that reason, I just assumed he would be the most intimidating of the Ramones, having not met them yet. And then when I started speaking with him and he knew that I was really a genuine fan and had the new album and knew all the songs, he was like a big kid. I mean, he was so sweet and so genuinely touched and thrilled to find that I was a genuine fan because, as you both know, the Ramones weren't really ever fully appreciated during their lifetimes. I mean, they had a, a very devoted fan base, but the world really, the rest of the world didn't really start to notice their brilliance until they started yeah, to pass you know, away. Uh, John, you know, Warner Brothers came down on Seymour so many times because I was in the office so many times, they didn't understand it. They had no idea where the Ramones were at, the Warner Brothers, you know, so it's like he yeah. had fights with them, with so many groups, but uh, it's what you're talking about. It's like they... Um, I mean, Ramones, you know, they they weren't understood for a while. I mean, they, but then all of a sudden they became part of this thing, you know, which is great. But it was like, uh, you know, in the beginning, all the even Talking Heads, they threw beer bottles out in the beginning. You know, I heard stories that were unbelievable. To this day, people don't know, but... Yeah, it's, it's a very strange thing. I can even remember my childhood. I, the Ramones were always my favorite band, and when you'd mention that, you know, people would be like, oh, you got to be, you know, like, unless you it was another Ramones fan that got it right. and understood, people didn't really take them seriously. It was weird. I remember even in my 20s, you know, when talking to people and telling them that the Ramones were my favorite band, and they'd, like, think it was funny. Right. But, you know, who had the last laugh? But at what cost? We have the last laugh. Totally. <laughs> Iconic. Totally. And you know what? That is such a great story about how you met the Ramones and stuff. I think that is just that that's that's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a you memory I'll never forget library. as long as I live. Oh yeah, that's that major day. Major yeah. life. That's so major fun. Life. Yeah, it really um, was. I was beyond belief, you know. I mean to, and the funny thing is as a kid. To me, they were the biggest rock stars in the world. Like, they were my Beatles, you know? So I'm thinking, uh-huh. you know, my my 16-year-old mind, I'm thinking they're walking away, you know, when I saw them leave and thinking they're leaving and going off to this plush life. Little did I know until years later mm-hmm. that, you know, they were really just regular blue-collar guys and that not everybody saw them the way that I did back then. That's true. Wow. Was your family involved in music or inter- in entertainment or anything like that at all? No, um, my mom could sing, but never really pursued um, a career. But her mother came from a theatrical background, and um, her father did as well. But I don't think anything that you would know. Um, but uh, but no, really, there's nobody else in my in my family that's in show business. But um, but my my mother, my grandmother, and grandfather on my mother's side were kind of show business people. Are they all still here in the state? Are they here in the states, or are they um, in, in overseas? They're deceased. I'm sorry, but they were here in the states. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Oh, fantastic! That's fantastic. What's your What's you, your you background? Mean my grandparents. Are you Are you um, Japanese? Uh, um, what What are I'm American? What? <laughs> I know you're but American, but you have a. I know you're an American boy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. We know that. But no, there, I'm, not, that I'm not. I'm not culturally um, born uh, Japanese in any way. Some people assume that it's it was one of a number of things that kind of led to the name Osaka pop star. Osaka. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Where'd that come from? Well, Where did Osaka came, pop star come from? It came from um, 
I liked a lot of bands that were from Osaka, Japan, like Balzac uh-huh. and Shonen Knife. Um, Balzac, I actually signed to Misfits Records, and Shonen Knife, I'm friends with. And um, I kind of viewed Osaka, Japan as the equivalent of New York City's punk scene. The Osaka to Japan was kind of what the village was to the punk scene here in New York, and I felt that there was a kinship between them, so that was one thing. And then when I was in Japan, a lot of people, for whatever reason, uh, my friends there told me they think it's just because my hair is straight and I would sometimes have, like, tinted glasses on. People assumed I was Japanese, and they would start talking to me in Japanese when I was there, and then when I would explain That's that I was so American, funny. some of them wouldn't oh. believe me. So, <laughs> so no, that well, you was know, part I've of spent, I have, um I have a lot of friends over in Japan, and it's so funny because they love America culture and um one of them is Dr. Emoto who just recently passed away. He was a water advocate. But you know, there was one song that I know you'll probably love or know of. It's a song that was from Kill Bill called Battle Without Honor by I don't know how to say his name, Tama Tama Hote. Have you heard have you seen that song, that video? Uh- I'm sure I have. I'm not. I, I unfortunately I don't know it by name for some reason, but I'm sure song. I'm familiar with it. I mean, I'm, I've seen yeah. the film a number of times. So. Yeah. Well, I worked with David for a long time, and David was um, actually a client of mine too. He's the one that gave me my first um, my first katana that well. I because I did Japanese <laughs> swordsmanship. That's why I'm intrigued because um, I wanted to know where that came from. That's really that's really cool. It's a That's lot of really, different really things, cool. and just the fact that I love anime and um, yep. anime aesthetics. Yeah. So it's a, there's a lot of different things that factored into it, but um, that's just some of the backstory. And, and obviously, um, you've seen the anime graphics, and yeah. know that we we covered. The, there's a punk cover, the Astro Boy theme, and Sailor Moon theme. So it's just you know the whole thing of Osaka Pop Star really is just a, a collective of the things that I love that have influenced me process through my personality that's awesome you know i want to ask you how did how did Didi? since you met Didi that day in the public library of all places and then now you're managing his estate how did um how did that happen did you two just become really close over the years it really evolved over time and mm-hmm. is almost in different spurts within the timeline i mean really what had gone on is that I remained a Ramones fan, obviously, from the time that I'd met them. Then I worked in TV for a number of years. I started working with the Misfits. And then as I was the creative director of the Misfits and helping them to develop up these different areas and working with them for years, the Ramones saw what I was doing and then expressed interest in me doing some of the same things with them. Um, So even the Ramones merchandising, you know, Arturo Vega, who was their... um, lighting director and art director and would design a lot of the the merchandising and the logos he had even said to me i see a lot of the stuff that you're doing with the misfits and i know that you're helping them to get merchandising deals can would you you know help us to do that so i got involved in that capacity first with the ramones and honestly um Jumping backwards, there was even another thing that I had done where I'd mentioned to you I'd produced an event opener for the New York Knicks. And yeah. the, the ironic thing is that I'm not really a sports fan. I mean, I don't have anything against it, but I don't really get the kind of charge out of it that I'm most the sports way. I'm the do. same way. So yeah, I I'm think the same that um, when I was doing sports-related work, I'd have to find ways to make it interesting to me. And for whatever reason, that 
always appealed to the people that I worked with. So Madison Square Garden actually was really complimentary about a lot of the work that I'd done. And then the Rangers saw some of the stuff that I'd done for the Knicks. And then the Rangers expressed interest in having me get involved to help them develop up the game to make it more fun and interactive for the fans. And one of the first thoughts that came to my mind was it'd be cool if they had a theme song and take like the old military cadence airborne ranger and then do an interpolation of it and make it new york ranger and then i wound up writing this little punk interpolation of that cadence called i want to be a new york ranger and originally i wrote it with the ramones in mind and i had actually pitched it to the garden and the rangers for the ramones to record it but the ramones had retired Um, when this was going on. And then Joey really liked the song and expressed interest in singing it. And uh, at one point I was going to have Joey sing the song, but then the New York Rangers marketing team was concerned about the word danger. And they were like, well, can you change the lyrics? Because we're really worried about, you know, using the word danger. And I was like, I thought about it and I said, listen, I just don't think it, I think it's going to kind of be stupid if I change it. So I'm not really interested in changing it. (laughs) And I had recorded um, a demo of it with the Misfits, which led to Joey hearing the song and then being interested in singing it because I had mentioned it one day to the Misfits and Jerry heard me playing it and really liked it and said, what is that? And then I told him and he said, oh, we'll do it. So the Misfits were going to record it and then their singer didn't show up that day. And then they just asked me to sing it, and I sang it, and none of them had any idea that I actually had a background as a singer and that I could sing. And so that was like one of the first things that I did musically with the uh, with the Misfits is we recorded the song, I Want to Be a New York Ranger, that's me on vocals with the Misfits playing Oh, that's it. funny. Um, that's so funny. So I'm sorry, I've, there's so many of <laughs> these different now stories. You, that you are... I don't Ping think I, I don't think there's anything. Let's see. Can you do surgery, brain surgery? <laughs> there doesn't no. need to be anything. That's awesome. That well, is so cool. Well, it's the own spirit. You know, if you have a passion to do something and something uh-huh. burning inside of you, you really should try. I mean, it's one of the things we open the Fender book with. You know, Dee Dee even says something to the effect of, you know, I've never really been, uh, you know, one to um, very good at spelling, and but I don't let a lack of this or that, you know, stop me from doing the things I want to do. So if you really are passionate about something, you know, you should try it because you may be able to do it and you may do it really well. And like I said before, I just kind of apply my directorial mentality to different things and and it works. And I think it's because I do really care about the things I'm doing, but I'm, there's certainly things like brain surgery that I'm not, def- yeah, definitely not no, going to try no. Oh, no, no, no. It's great. I want to say real quick again, this is the Indie Cafe, a special edition of the Indie Cafe, and we have John Caffiero, and um, we're talking about Osaka Pop Star and the Misfits and the Ramones and many other things along with Spencer Drake. If you missed the beginning of the show, the show will be available on iTunes afterwards and also on download immediately after the show on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. Um, Spencer, you still there? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. I know. I've like had a lot of questions. I really was excited about doing this show because I think that you bring to the table so many cool things, and I know that you've done. Um, you're doing this really cool thing with uh, Spence with the Didi Ramon thing right now, and I think that's so cool. I'm yeah, if you excited. if you come to the DD exhibition, you can go see to the, the, the cover that uh, Spencer did the layout for for Didi's Standing I in the Spotlight album. That's one of the many artifacts on display. Yep. I and can't wait. Oh, I can't other, wait. You know, 
the other one, the other cover I got to mention uh, that we have is the is the first Ramones cover, right? Is on there. The first Ramones with the white type, uh, them against the wall. John, I, I didn't even know you did the layout for that one too. Oh no, I didn't. No, no, I just want to mention that cover is also there. We haven't talked about it, but it's the first Ramones cover, I believe, right? Oh yeah. Well, it's on. It's not only is the cover there, but even more um, special is that it's. As you're probably both aware, the Ramones' first album took 30 years to go gold, and it finally went gold in April of this year. And one of the Fantastic. artifacts, yeah, one one of the artifacts from Dee's estate's collection that's on display is Dee Dee's gold album for the first Ramones album. So you can see the cover as well as the actual gold record that was awarded to Dee Dee for everything he gave the world and uh, rock and roll. With that first record, I, I think along it, with the band. You know, it's amazing to me. It should be platinum, right, John? It yeah, platinum, right? That. I don't know. It's like it is such an iconic air about right now going on that I would think that those numbers are going to go up because uh, it's just um, Tom, uh, Tommy leaving was a big thing. I think yeah. Marky Marky's the next one. You know, Marky's in that realm still. I was Mark is going to be uh, with us and. But he's 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 in that. I'm very close to Marky, but he's in that realm. You know, he's sort of like Tommy is left, but Marky's left. You know, and to me, and in that realm of the old, the originals, in, in some way, he was in the he was on Road to Ruin. You know, and I believe he was on End of the Century. Yeah, the great so, albums. Yeah, those are. And, but he's in that gr- that era. You know, so he's the one. He's the other one, and it's kind of like now since Tommy left, I think it's just unbelievable. I think. The iconic type yeah, of yeah. The four founding members are all deceased. It's yeah, yeah, really. It's a shame, and they all died young. And I mean, Tommy like, got to see more of it than everyone else, but he still died very young, and uh, it's really sad. It really is. It is, you know, it is sad that for me. I mean, I knew those guys in a sort of way, and I met them, and they all. Thank God, they all liked me, and I, I got a re- great respect from them with my work. But it's like it's so tragic that that, that they died so young, right? And they were absolutely, like, right? yeah, absolutely. Right, Holly or, and John, it's just, yeah, that they died. They died so young, and um, I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they right, they were talking there, but after that, boom, you know, it's like crazy. Well, well that's look, where it Mother's took Joey's passing for the in. Hall of Fame to recognize them. You know, that's yeah. it was when Joey passed is when the Hall of Fame recognized them, and then Dee Dee passed away the next year, and right. the tension got stronger, and then Johnny passed away a couple of years later, and the tension got stronger, and thankfully Tommy got to see more of it, but still, you know, he he went far too young, and uh, yeah, so it's like right now the the name is so I becoming so iconic you know i i figure the sales on records will probably go up too you know with that i think, I, think road to, I don't know what road reason. to ruin sale is but those are those are great out the road to ruin uh and the end of the century album those and the other two that are kind of like they they come right after you know those, those albums are amazing too right I mean, well they're all great i mean honestly no. the the ones that seem to be considered the most classic of the catalog would be the the debut album the self-titled album which is the one that right. has gone gold and rocket to russia is what uh johnny and tommy both named as feeling that that was the best ramones album and i guess in many ways they are but I love them all. I mean, Pleasant Dreams is one of my favorites, and that's kind of a more obscure record, but there's some incredible songs on it. Right. And I think that they're all good in their own right, but the uh, it's the first three that people seem to look at as the most definitive. But, you know, Road to Ruin's great, End of the Century's great. I mean, there's there's 
there's greatness in all of them. It's I mean, I, I always worked. The funny thing in my life is I always worked with the beginning albums, and I always loved the beginning albums because those are like Marshall Crenshaw's first album is the best he ever did. You know? Or, yeah, that's a great record. Or, yeah, you know, right? Or, or like, um, and that was a great cover too. But it's not about the cover; it's just the album. The the beginning albums. They and they always say like the Led Zeppelin first two were the most purest. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, what you'll like them. But but you know the beginning albums to me is so it's like the beginning you know I love that era of the beginning you know it's like people they're pushing they're really doing their thing you know they're kind of pushing their career to get into something it's there's a pure feeling about it and I was very fortunate to work on a lot of those albums maybe most of my albums literally were the beginnings Bon Jovi's first album and then look he became iconic you know Billy yeah. Squire. Billy Squire on Don't Say No. So but you did, like, the, uh, did, did the layout for Bon Jovi's, um, record, the first recording he ever did, the first, R2-D2, yeah, the We Wish You a Merry Christmas? Yeah, the one, the, it's, got, it's got Runaway on it. The, no, that's that's his first album, but his first recording is R2-D2, R2-D2, We Want to Wish You a Merry Christmas. That's true. <laughs> Nobody will remember a little that. Kid. That's his actual <laughs> first recording on the Star I, uh, Wars holiday album. Wow. That's a little-known fact. That's a good one, John. I'm glad you put that on the show, Vic, because you made me... uh, I've heard some things today that I've never heard before. I love the story about... Oh, John's a book. I think John's a book. No, we've got to open up that book, John. You've got to have some stuff that I don't know about. And John... John, I hope I'm not spiraling into too many different directions for you guys. It's hard. No, 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 no. no, no. This is all good stuff. We multitask. I have a mind like you. I can go all over the place and do a million different things all at once. Same as Spencer. John, yeah. uh, we really want you to do a comic book because I would be your. That's I would. Right. I would love to buy it. I am. <laughs> I would love to see a comic book by you. Thanks. I will. In, uh, I will definitely. Uh, think about I'll that. Definitely get to Seriously, that. think about that. That would be so cool. I'm, um, um, I know that I'm, we went over he, a little bit. How's your yeah, time? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I, if you want a couple more minutes, I could do a couple more minutes if you'd like. Oh, gee, thanks. We're gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna take right. you up on that one. Um, I want to ask you, um, and I know that this will be kind of a fun question, and maybe you can outdo the public library, but in all the um, things that you've done, movies, your anime, recording with the Misfits, working with all these legendary punk legends, do you have any specific memories that can't outdo the public library that you want to share with our listeners that maybe um, was was just like it stuck with you? It's a memory that you uh, want to share with everyone? Sure. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them, but I'll say since we were on the topic of the Ramones and we have the Didi Ramone exhibition happening in New York City right now, which again, um, I hope anybody with an earshot or even those that might be listening out of state, it really is a historic exhibition with Dee's spirit in the room and the largest exhibition of Dee's works in one place. So please do try and check it out at the um, storefront Chelsea Hotel, Hotel Chelsea storefront gallery now through January 1st. But um, I'll give you two of probably the, the most special. I mean, there's several, but I'll give you two of the most special Ramones memories that I ever have. One is um, there was a period when um, Joey was going to make a guest appearance at a Misfits show. And mm-hmm. um, he was going to do a little mini set at the end of the show. And we had uh-huh. done this a couple of times, but this particular show didn't happen because it was going to be at a venue that then had like a fire 
Marshall issue where they felt the show was going to go over to capacity and we couldn't do it. But to make a very long story short, I was speaking with Joey, and this is just to me indicative of how the Ramones never really fully realized how important they were because they were humble guys. And um, the world didn't really embrace them as they fully should have until they were gone. So Joey had said to me, yeah, well, you know, uh, I mean, I know I'm going to do this set and, you know, there's going to be admission charge. I'm just curious, like, am I going to get paid anything? And, and then I very genuinely, the first thing off the top of my head, which was my natural response and the truth to me was, well, yeah, but we'd never be able to pay you what you're actually worth. <laughs> right. And he was blown away by that. And I could tell he was genuinely touched because, oh, you know, I meant every word of it. I mean, the the, yep. the guy was priceless. How are you right. going to put a price on Joey Ramone performing at something? It's, right. it's impossible. And to make a statement like that to him, I could tell wow. it really touched him and it really meant oh, something right. to him. So that is a really great memory. And another really great memory, which is almost eerie, was the last time that I saw Dee Dee. Um, I, I actually have Mark's leather jacket from the Ramones, from when Mark was in the Ramones. Really? Yeah. Wow. And um, I was wearing it the last time that I saw Dee Dee, because I would wear it. Like, I didn't get it to lock it away in a room. You know, I, I got it because it meant something to me, and I, and I would wear it. Right. And um, the last time I saw Dee Dee, I was wearing it. And it was like a preview party for his Legend of a Rockstar book. I don't think the book was coming out yet, but it was like a publisher party previewing it. And it was held at Roseland, and Dee Dee performed a live set. And he looked great, and he sounded great. And um, I really thought he was going to have a complete resurgence in his career. And he got off stage, and he was dripping wet, like with sweat because he'd just done this show and he had no shirt on and he saw me and he just came over to me and gave me this huge hug and gave me this big kiss on the cheek for no reason and just said, give me a hug, give me a hug. And he gave me this huge hug and he was dripping sweat and gave me this big kiss on the cheek. And then a few weeks later he died. And then looking back on that and the things that I've taken on, it's almost this eerie memory. Like, did he know that somehow later on I would wind up looking out for him and sort of protecting him as best I could in these other ways. And it was, that's how I feel looking back on that memory is almost as if, yeah, he was saying like, thank you. I know the things that you're going to do for me. Thank you for looking out. Exactly. So th- that's kind of special to me. Oh, that's great. Great stories. Amazing. Amazing stories. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, like, story. Just, like that's how what happened with Lou Reed when he, when he saw Lou for the last time at his book signing with Mick. And I, I shook his hand. It was like something was going on. You know what I mean? It's like something was going on between the both of us. And it was like, I can't describe it, but then the weeks later he died, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like it, you know, it's like, Make we never point. die. We continue on. We go to the next yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. You're right about the Holly. It's like the spirit's still there, and it's like <laughs> yep. it's still around. You're right. You're so we right live about. on forever. We're eternal. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to talk about Didi's up there. Poppy Didi's ghosts. watching the show. Didi's We're probably vampires. watching the show. <laughs> Watching the show. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I think Dee Dee's spirit is at the show. I mean, he's definitely there, happy and appreciating what's going on. There's no doubt about it. That's right. I got to come to New York. I got to come to New York. How about it, Holly? How about it? I try to drag her into New York. I can try to drag her. (laughs) 
it's, it's not uh, it's not a common occurrence that all these things will be in one room and uh you definitely get a, a special feeling looking at all of this stuff and um I, I highly recommend anybody that was a Ramones fan, anybody that appreciated Didi and the things that he had done, if you possibly can do check this out because it's I'll tell you, a very I'll tell you rare something experience. I want to bring up I think is really amazing. It just came to my head again. This is the type of show that should travel to different cities, by the way. You know, I've been speaking to a number of different people about that, and there's been interest for quite some time in bringing the works. And we'd like to. It's just that there are a lot of risks involved because if the show travels, you need to make sure that eventually it's going to travel back. You know what I mean? Sure. And um, I can tell you it took me three years to get about half of the paintings that are in this show out of the hands of somebody that claimed they didn't even have them. Wow. So, oh, wow. you know, That's with that bummer. kind of history, I'm not saying that we wouldn't do it, but it has to be done on very specific terms and very specific circumstances where you know that um, that everything's going to come back where it belongs in the end. Yeah. I be, I, That's listen, a I've bummer, been with, having to chase after stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, you have no idea. Believe me. There's a lot of things I'm just not talking about because it just wouldn't no, be. No, 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 I know. <laughs> and you know what? So cool about you. You are you are you are a class act, really. You're very articulate and um you know um you know what not to say. Let's say that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I try. Yeah. I mean it's just uh, I think that's it's a way hard. to conduct yourself. Oh, please. We both know that. We but thank you. That's that. very nice of you to say. I appreciate it. Totally know that. You know what? I'm going to get you because you said you had a second story you wanted to share. <laughs> I, that was you said we were going to share two. you. That, that the, <laughs> we had two. I, I got you. Had, <laughs> those, those I don't forget anything, John. <laughs> <laughs> those were the two, Holly. Those were the two. It was the Joey. Oh, I gave you the no! Joey story and the Dee story. I want to hear another one. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's all right. You know what? I'll stay with the public library one. That's really cool. And I love the I love the one with the leather jacket. That's great. Oh, do, you still ha- do you wear that leather jacket all the time? I don't wear it all the time, but uh, the last time I wore it was when we did the DD Art Show at uh, Subliminal Projects. Awesome. I was wearing it then. Oh, i got to well, bring up something. It's very important. Cool. John yeah, is yeah, on yeah. Facebook. John is on Facebook, right? You're on yeah. Facebook. Yep. John yeah. Uh, and I will say this, well, I don't interact on it all that much, not because I'm antisocial, but as you can see, I have a lot of different projects on my plate, so I don't man. get to, um, to to interact as much as I'd like to, but I try. So if you do try and interact with me on there, know that if I don't respond right away, it's not because I'm being rude. It's just because I probably haven't slept very much. <laughs> right. I totally understand that. John, what's the best way if anyone wants to reach you? Um, and thank you, by the way, for posting the link to the show on your page. I'm looking at your page now. And it's um, John Facebook, and it's John's name, and his last name is spelled C-A-F-I-E-R-O. And, yeah, it, and it, even if you put in Osaka Pop Star or you put in um, The Misfits or you put in um, any of that, you're also a public figure on there. I love that. That's great. <laughs> well, it has its good points and bad points. <laughs> no. That's cool. You know, I, was, I love, I was I love the that. hair. I love oh, your hair. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's cool. I want to is go it, back is it crazy to that color? Because, oh, Judith and I put on a design website, you know, John. We're on I like a design it. website. And yeah. I, was, I was thinking about 
putting the public figure name, and I said, no, I'm going to put designer. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to fool around with public figure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, the designer is a great thing to be. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know I have a, I have a design background, and I cherish it. I think that it's um, it's really helped me to um, bring a lot of the things that I love to do. Um, that's right. Yeah. More properly uh, to light. So that's it's great to be well-rounded, and when you're able to do different things, it just helps you express yourself even more clearly. You're right. Well, we want to thank you so very, very much from the bottom of our hearts for spending. Um, the last hour and a half with us on the air because I know that your time is very precious. Um, You're welcome. What are your, for having me. What are your plans Thanks, for the Tom. holidays? Are you in town for the holidays? I am. I'm working? here in New York and i um, going to see some family, and then uh, my wife and I are going to try and have a little quiet time if we can because nice. it's been uh, it's been really hectic but uh, but totally well worth it. But the holidays have been really hectic this year because so much is going on, but uh, honestly it's made it uh, even more special. Absolutely. But yeah, Christmas in New York. I hope it snows instead of raining. I should tell you that. I, I was getting, ex- I was get getting excited by the prospect that it might snow on Christmas Eve, but I hear it's rain now. Yeah, it's it's oh, really? really weird in New York City. When it snows, you know, it goes away for two days. You know this. It always does this. It, like, snows, and then, like, two days later, rains, and everything goes away. But outside of you New York, John, everything is... You like, don't want the rain we got. Everything. I got flooded. Where I'm at. Holly really got bad. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing oh on the God. West Coast it's been constant rain, too. Oh, so oh, how about Genoma you guys? What are your plans got flooded. for the holidays? I'm doing a yeah. quiet. I'm having a quiet Christmas. I'm having a very quiet Christmas. I'm going to a New Year's Eve party that this musician has. who's a very nice small up up west side. And then, like, Christmas will be quiet for me, you know. Cool. I, I like it. I kind of like a quiet, you know. I like this quiet thing. Well, that's great. Well, I, I look, I really appreciate you both having me on the show, and I can't thank you enough for your interest and support of all the things that I do. And uh, I guess in conclusion, I'd just like to say, seriously, anybody that uh, is interested, please try and check out Dee Dee Ramon, the exhibition, New York City. It's running now through January 1st, every day from 1 to 8. Uh, we'll be closed on Christmas Day, um, but other than that, 1 to 8 every day, come down and check it out. And if you're interested in Osaka Pop Star, you could check out osakapopstar.com or look us up on Facebook or look up my personal one and um, hope you dig the new material and more to come. There'll be a new album next year. There's a couple of tracks that are already in the can for a compilation I'm producing um, that I can't really say too much about yet, but uh, maybe we could talk about that sometime next year. Go on yeah, back. let's have you back. Come on back. And, uh, yeah. and check out Hopping Ghosts and my Hopping Ghost toy. There's the single. And the toy, and the toy will be in toy stores, collectible like vinyl shops. I can't wait to see the toy in, in person. In the next couple of weeks, as soon as the dock oh my God. releases, as soon as, soon as they, they quit holding the it boat. hostage overseas, right? Yeah, as um. soon as my hopping ghosts are allowed to hop <laughs> off the boat, which I'm told will be this week, uh, they'll be in everybody's hands. But you can order those online at osakapopstar.com or misfitsrecords.com as well. Awesome, and we're going to end our show today with Hopping Ghosts, Um, but Spence and I are going to go to Pop Culture News. Um, I'll let you uh, go about your day, unless you would like to stay on for Pop Culture News. Would you like to stay, or do you have stuff to do? I would love to, but I actually do have to head out now. In fact, I'll be heading over to the gallery, so if anybody heads over there, you might see me there in the next hour or so. You have a good one, John. Thank you so much, Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and I hope to speak with you both soon. Definitely. All right. Happy Christmas. You too. And Take happy care. Happy holiday. Happy Thank holiday. you. Okay. Happy holidays. Bye. He's such a great guy. Very nice. Are you Very there? Nice.
Yeah, he's so nice. Never know who's going to come on and what they're like, but boy, he's really incredible. He's really good. Yeah, he's very articulate and very um, mm-hmm. a very interesting person. Yes, very he is. very interesting person. Right. Very well rounded. Um, I I see a lot of really great things coming out of him in the future. I think um, there's gonna we're going to be really surprised. Um, let's go into our pop culture news. And then we'll be right back. Hold on, guys. Who wants yesterday's paper? Who wants yesterday's gun? Who wants yesterday's paper? Nobody in the world. Check with her. You should check with her. That's right. And then um, 
We have our Lou Reed, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Reed book, which is very interesting. We should talk about it sometime. Uh, and um, Marky Ramon book comes out in January. And the Chris Stein book, Negative on Rizzoli. And we'll have Chris on, I believe, on our show. So, And, oh, this is something, I don't know if I told you about this. Bob Gruen, who's been on our show, is coming out with a Yoko book in February. Do you know about that? Oh, no, I didn't. Big time. So that's going to be a big one. It's Bob Gruen's book on Yoko in February, and I spoke to the PR person, so I I think we're going to get copies of that. And that's what I want to, I guess we're caught up on that. It's very short, but, you know, that's okay. Well, I want to hear about Zabar's the other night. <laughs> what do you want to know? What food was on sale at What'd 7.30? you have? What'd you what? have? What'd you eat? What'd you eat? Zabar's? Wow. Where did I... Where, where was this? Oh, meet he Judith? He went to Zabar's. He went to meet Judith at Zabar's? Yeah, it turned out that you, I didn't meet with... I thought it was me with her, and after I talked to you, she decides, I don't know, the weather's bad, blah, blah, don't come out, that's it. So, that, so I didn't go out, but um, Zabar's is great. That's my favorite place. I get, like... Um, Trader Joe's and Zabra's are really like, and of course Whole Foods, right? I mean, that's a whole other thing. I've been reading, eating a lot of pasta now. I'm cooking for myself, you know, doing a lot of that's that stuff. That's cool. I like cooking for myself, and um, I'm doing a lot of that, taking it easy. And um, I'm going to try and catch Willie Nile though on Friday. I might, you know, go down there. He's a trip. He's really good. You know, um, there's not a lot happening. Ian, on the West Coast right now. Uh, Basically, a lot of people, well, there are some tributes that are coming out. January is going to be really big. There's a lot of tributes that are coming out for a lot of people. Like um, for Dick Wagner, there's a couple tributes that are coming out. They're going to be doing some benefit concerts. And um, I'm I'm just seeing a lot of things happening around the area for the holidays and stuff like that. So there's not really a lot. It's kind of like a really... It's like a it's a very slow period right now everywhere. Um but I want to say today's show was really awesome and I'm really glad John um got was able to join us on the show and that was really fun. I had a really good time yeah, today. Yeah, it was it was really cool and uh, a really good show and it meant a lot to us because of uh, Dee Dee and the historic uh, historic show that's going on the exhibition and kind of is like very historic show and who knows if we'll ever see it again, this type of show, you know. I mean, it's very different. I want to say also to everyone, um, tomorrow is Christmas Eve. And Ooh. we... <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus is coming, isn't he? Spencer we have a guest and I... Do we have Santa coming? And we'll say, Santa's coming, Santa's coming. I know he is. He told me. I'm on the good list this year, I think. I, I think. Know, if you... How does he know if everybody's good or nice, Holly? That's the other. <laughs> he has he has webcams. I'm telling you, Holly's new movie that I'm going to co-produce is called Down the Down the Chimney. Down the and, Chimney and out of the and closet. out of the closet. This is a new movie. Holly has conceived as a title. You know, I, someone's going to hear what we're talking about, and probably in about six months there's going to be a movie called Down the Chimney, Out of the Closet, <laughs> or they're going to be doing a whole thing on what we talked about today. But yeah, we're going to have George. Cl- By the way, George Clooney is playing Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, who cares? <laughs> who cares? It's George Clooney. I was going to say, you know what? The beautiful thing about radio is 
It was actually talked about today on December 23rd, 2014 on our radio show. So we have proof of intellectual property rights. If anybody gets any ideas of trying to rip me off, then, <laughs> then I've got proof and I've got a good attorney. So, and Holly and I go. have videos. We have videos of Santa uh, buying toys off the truck. I, I just want to tell you that I got videos. <laughs> yeah, I that a truck. You know what? I don't want to be really mean because there's probably some kids listening. And you know what? I don't want to lose the reason for the season. I don't know. They they're not, they're, they're Santa, Santa's not amazing, but we're trying to just make it fun because we don't. <laughs> this is the grown-up Santa fun that we're trying to have. Right. Okay. We're so. To, you know, yeah, Santa. Santa told me um, that we're allowed to do that. And um, actually, tomorrow, if you tune in to Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio, um, we are on this same station because we do the Indie Cafe um, once a month here with Spencer and um, Judith and and myself. And sometimes Judith makes an appearance. I know she's been really busy, but I wanted to say um, that tomorrow. There's a possibility. I'm still waiting to hear back from Janet to see if we're going to okay. do it towards the night before Christmas. Yep. But you know what? We can inter- We can. We can put this all together tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow at two o'clock, which is the time. Believe it or not, Santa is taking off, according to the reindeer cam. He's. <laughs> taking off. I'm not going to get into this. This is your show, I know. Holly. He's you just taking take off. No, he is. He's taking off tomorrow at 2 o'clock California I'll have the doctors over your house very soon. Don't worry. Straight jackets. <laughs> to travel around the world. They even okay, have it posted okay. on the doctor, reindeer cam. Doctor, we have a patient over here. Please. <laughs> they even have it posted on the reindeer cam page that tomorrow at 2 o'clock PST time, he is taking off to make his trip around the world. And also, the good and naughty list is on Santa's reindeer cam page. Hold you can it. also been, download it. Got, wait a minute. i got to cut in here because Santa's got divorce proceedings going on right now. i got the paperwork. <laughs> Jimmy McElligot got down on Wall Street. That's the paperwork. That's right. I heard about Name that. Name is on the divorce papers. Oh, my God. You know? I heard Mrs. Claus has been hanging out in some Christmas tree lots lately. She has. She's having affairs with the elves. I don't want to get and into she's this. She's hanging out with the elves. Yeah, it's all that good cooking she's well, doing. Well, uh, what you brought up is very good. The elves are slave labor, and kids don't want to hear about that. You know. Oh my God! We better stop. Okay. Okay. We're really want... bad. And look at the kids. We are who... being so bad. We are definitely I'm, on the I'm bad being list. Bad. I'm being blues bad, as they call Didn't it. Didn't you blues. like what I said about the coal in the stocking earlier? About how I love it. That the they classic. probably put the coal. Coal <laughs> 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 wars. We're having. <laughs> and what else did we say? Oh, um, Santa's still. Oh, Santa's slice up for the repo people are out there. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> on a tracker, the Santa tracker. Because the Santa tracker. They're looking right. for that sleigh. And the reindeer, yeah. you don't know what's in that magic dust they're eating that makes them fly. <laughs> Reindeers are on, and you don't know what's in the sled. You see, that's the whole thing. And also the cookies. What are people leaving? I heard Santa got high off some cookies that somebody he left. Did. He, did. he got house. high. He had his hash and grass cookies. <laughs> <laughs> 
got to be oh, no, well. if you're naughty or nice. If you're naughty, you get the grass. It all depends on what. Nice. It all depends. It all depends on what state he's in. If it's legal or not, right? Exactly. Look he's at Santa's Washington. got little packets he carries with him to the door. You know, he brings you different kinds of grass, you know, different samples of grass to your door. You know, you can. <laughs> <laughs> it's called weed deliver. Oh, uh, wait, deliver. it's a dispensary. That's right. We have those in California. <laughs> we have dispensaries here in California. I forgot about that. Would That's you? Right. Could you imagine if a truck pulled up and it was <laughs> like in the shape of a sleigh? That would be such a great marketing campaign. <laughs> Santa treats. Elf Get the straitjacket. Get the straitjackets. <laughs> anyway, we hope everybody tunes in tomorrow. Santa will be in a straitjacket tomorrow night on a show. Don't worry we're about it. We're being silly. Yeah, we're going to – there's there's maybe maybe Santa may be calling in from his cell phone. We're not sure yet because – We're not sure where the hell he's at. And Paul Gautier – We're not sure if he paid not, his bill yet or not. It's Armani suit. Uh, i I got to call you on that. It's not no, Gautier. It's Gabbana, not Armani. Dolce Gabbana, get that right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are going to end our show with Hopping Ghosts. <laughs> we get through this show. <laughs> I love I this show. I think that we had a little it. too many cookies, and I don't even eat cookies. <laughs> I've, I've had too much. Uh, Santa left me too many grass cookies here. I just, I don't know. I'm <laughs> out of it. Spencer, bad Spencer, bad, God. Bad boy. I'm a bad boy. I'm sorry. Anyway, tomorrow. Hey, listen, want everybody have a happy holiday. We always. Yeah, everybody. a hopping, yeah. hopping, hopping ghost hoppy. holiday. We're gonna right. play hopping ghost to end the show with. Good. And again, I want to say to everyone that listened today, if you <laughs> missed the beginning, <laughs> a lot of people listening, they're probably thinking we're completely insane. Our shows are not always like this. They're even better. No, we're not sometimes. always like this, ladies and gentlemen. But the doctors are coming to my door in about two minutes. Don't worry about it. And, um, yeah, no. Um, wait, I wanted to say to everyone out there, make sure you get out there, get all your Christmas shopping done, and uh, make sure you bake and make some cookies for Santa because, you know, Santa likes cookies. Right. He's not, you know, he is on a diet because I heard he was doing Weight Watchers this year. But, um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Still He's a battery on some holistic diet. I'm me. not sure yet. I don't know what's going on. I think it's lack of sleep. But anyway, and yep. you've got a cough. You've been in the North Pole for too much time. I remember you were out there spying on them. That's how you have all That's the right. inside information. That's yeah. Totally, no, that hey, so, you know. <laughs> Happy Christmas to everyone. If you don't tune in tomorrow, we will be back after the um, – first of the year and um i want to wish my mom if she's listening a happy um birthday oh coming up on new year's eve yeah yeah she's a new year's eve baby oh wow you know that must that must really be fun being born on new year's eve i know that's really wild that is very wild isn't it yep new year's eve is such a cool thing because you can celebrate all day long. Well, you know what? You, know? you don't want to get born on Christmas because that means you conflict with the birthday and the Christmas presents. Oh, See? I always get that. I'm a week before Christmas, and I always get I always mm-hmm. got that. But you know what? Really? My take on that was I always felt like all the pe- all the cities were lit up, and 
All the lights were on, and everyone was in a good mood because it was my birthday. That's right. what someone told me when I was little. As I got older, I realized it was because Santa was behind it. The reason for the season, let's not forget it. Forget the spiritual sensibility of the season um, for all of you out there that are celebrating. I hope that everyone's safe, has a wonderful time with their family. And if you can tune in tomorrow, great. If not, then that's fine. We'll see you after the first of the year. Happy New Year and uh, Happy Christmas and uh, all that. And uh, make sure to check out, again, Osaka Popstar and also check out the Misfits um, page, Misfit Records. And get some toys, guys. They're really cool. And so we're going to end the show with Hopping Ghost. And uh, Spence, uh, this has been fun. Yeah, it was a great show. <laughs> I don't know if I'll make it through tomorrow. I think I Santa. I think Santa's a Santa. Santa. Santa's starting early. I heard he's. He I is. heard he left the mall already. Yeah, he's left. I always. Santa's left the building. I wonder building. how he, he's going to get to every house at twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> he's going to make it. That's why I he's even tomorrow. That out yet. That's why he's that even tomorrow yet. at two o'clock in the afternoon, honey, so he can make it. He I, has he special. Possible. How can he go to every house at the same time on the on the east he coast? He does. There's a park. special thing. You, there's a special book for about that, and you need to find it online, so <laughs> that all the little kids that are listening know. Yes, Santa is real. Is he? He's as real as you want it to be in your spirit, right? You know what? That's he it. ransacked my house already. I got. I got <laughs> proof of it. He already ransacked my house and left here. <laughs> I know it was him. <laughs> he wanted my food. He had no food to put in the sled. I ripped off my goddamn refrigerator. I have no food. <laughs> he needed food for the sled. I mean, it's reindeer. I don't know. I got nothing in my refrigerator, Holly. What am I supposed to say? The reindeer. And he went to my my freezing department. All my blueberry pancakes are gone. I have nothing in the refrigerator. <laughs> and I know it was him. I know it was him. Why? How did you know it was sl- him? How did you know I, He left his goddamn boots here, one of his boots. I think he's stoned. <laughs> he, he's got that stupid boot with the red, you know, with the red fur on it or whatever, the white top. I don't know, white whatever. White fur. The red with white fur. Yeah, the red with white fur, right. <laughs> he left his boot there? He left his boot there. Oh, John's going to be, John, 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 not John Cafiero, but John. <laughs> <laughs> The boot designer, John Paul Gautier. Listen, are you sure Sin left his boot there? Or didn't leave anything he, else. He definitely left. Have you his been getting boot into there. his cookies, Spencer? He no, he left. He he took everything out of my refrigerator. I, I'm really kind of ticked Spencer. Off. Are you what? sure? Did you make cookies well, for him? Well, uh, he left his, he got a boot here. It's got to be his boot. <laughs> I mean, big fat boot. It's huge. I mean, the guy's huge anyway. It's got to be him. I mean, I'm a good detective, Holly. Come on. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing did in my apartment. I'm here. you some hot chocolate or the proper drinking chocolate? What did you well, make? Well, I'll tell you something. My apartment has nothing in it right now. The bed's gone, <laughs> everything. I'm just, it's an empty apartment. <laughs> I've just got hey, my if he leaves me your if he leaves me your TV or something as a gift, then I'll I'll bring it back. Well, you know that's what he does. I've got no TV. I've got I got my computer. He was nice enough to leave me the computer, but I, I'm I'm completely nude in my apartment. There's no he took all my clothes. 
You took everything in my apartment. I've got no shelves. I'm in an empty apartment, Holly. I'll tell you the truth, an empty apartment. I've got nothing here. I, I don't even have a bed. He took everything, the gifts he needs. You know, he needs oh, all my God. He rummages through apartments. You know, he's got the key to every goddamn apartment. I don't know how the hell he does it. He probably ah. rings the doorbell in the front of my townhouse, and the super answers it, and he says, let's him in. You know, he breaks into my apartment. I got nothing here. I'm nude. I got no clothes. He took everything. That's, that's <laughs> what am I going to do? Too much information. <laughs> and I got a red boot over here. What am I going to do with a red boot? Well, I mean, you, I can't you, even see, you, don't, you don't not have any clothes. You have a red boot. <laughs> a red that's it. Red boot. Red I'm boot I have no clothes. I have, uh, the, he took my dresser. He took the bed. <laughs> I, I, my shelves, all the books, everything that I need, everything I was talking about. I took all the books. These gifts, he's got to wrap gifts for people. What do you think he gets his gifts from? I don't know. I know. Well, that he, he, I he know went that. through my apartment. He's got a lot of gifts. He's got the hate book. That, oh, I can't tell you, man. He's got all the books. I can't review anything. It's ridiculous. This is to be continued. Tune in tomorrow because we're going to continue this, and we're going to talk about more of Santa's adventures. If you can tune in tomorrow, if not, um, we will see you guys after the first of the year. And thank you so much for listening to the Indie Cafe and also listening to Red Velvet Media over the years. We are really, in all in all, in all seriousness, we want to thank you all for being here and for being such great, great guests and fans. And um, Spencer has a new page on Facebook under Spencer Drake and Judith Salvez. And um, make sure you go like it. And also Red Velvet Media is on Facebook. And we are going to end the show now today with Hopping Ghosts. And with that, let's hop out of here. Okay? <laughs> In our booth. In our booth. Our red booth.